Turn in your Bibles, if you would, please, to Mark chapter 2. As we continue to be amazed at this account that describes, as Mark says in, in the first verse of the first chapter, as we discover who Jesus, the Son of God, is. We hear a lot about him from a lot of people, but here we hear it from Mark, the, the close companion of the Apostle Peter, the close companion at times of the Apostle Paul, um, a, an insider um, of the, with the Apostles. And uh, here in, in chapter 2, we're going to see one of the most amazing things about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. A few days later, verse 1, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, which was at this time his hometown, he wasn't living in Nazareth at this time, Capernaum was his place, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him, since they could not um, get to him to, uh, to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. Just think about that for a second. This is obviously not the same situation, but just imagine if that started happening. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's, he's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Wow. And, and again, what's, what's the most amazing thing? Was it th this paralyzed guy that probably many of them knew, maybe for a long time? Was it that he... Well, was it that his buddies had the gall to wreck the people's house? To drop him down there first? Maybe that was an amazing thing. Or was it that he got up to walk upon the command of the Lord Jesus? Or was it 
that he said, son, your sins are forgiven. Well, it started with Jesus coming into town and preaching the word. Did you notice that? That's what he was doing in that house. Before the deconstruction started, he was preaching the word. And so I had the task this week or over the last couple weeks to try to figure out, and there's no way to know this for sure, but to to try to figure out what was he preaching? He preached the word to them. Now remember, he didn't have to be um, preaching from a particular verse or chapter of the Bible um, to be preaching the word because everything he said is the word. But he had a custom when he went to the synagogues to read read from the, the Old Testament, which he wrote. And so I was just trying to think, what if he's preaching the word, what was he preaching to him? And we, in our scripture reading this morning, you had the result I came up with. I was thinking that that might be where he, and there, and there are other passages much like it. But I thought Psalm 103 might be the passage that would get these people ready for what he was about to do. Because remember, he knew what, what was about to happen. Just like he knew it was in those teachers of the law's hearts, where they're thinking, he knew that, just like he knows what we're thinking. He knew all that was about to transpire. So back to Psalm 103, the passage that Mark read for us in our, in our scripture reading this morning. As we look at that, look at how this could have prepared them if this is the passage that that he was looking at when he's speaking of the lord in the psalmist is speaking of the lord and 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 starting off with these praises he says in verse three he forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases he redeems my life from the pit and crowns me with love and compassion and on and on he goes and, and, and it all fits but i was just thinking That was a statement about the Lord, about God himself. Jesus is God himself. And one of the reasons that he's doing all this healing is to let the people know that. But now after after numerous episodes of healing people, this time instead of first healing the guy, the first thing he says is, Son, your sins are forgiven. Even more important than the physical healing. But he says that after the commotion. Because it would have been, even though it was a different, the construction was different, say, than this building or than your house. The construction was different. Probably had a, the the house probably had a a little staircase going up on the outside of the house to get up on the roof because they used that for, for good weather, you know, dining or, fellowshipping or whatever but and and the construction wasn't you know shingles and stuff like that it was it, you know it was probably some some wood going across with some uh, you know hard mud and, and that kind of thing but whatever it was they had to break through it and the stuff was falling down and remember they were doing, getting him near jesus so it was falling down on jesus you know while he's while he's preaching um, he probably took a, a moment okay you know here it comes and and then and then the guys dropped down and brought in, and Jesus knows more that this is more than just the, this physical act of commotion happening of these guys doing this. He knows they're doing it because they're prompted by faith. And you remember what the writer of the Hebrews says about faith that 
God rewards those who earnestly seek him. These guys were earnestly seeking him, including the, the paralytic himself. And Jesus, knowing their faith, knowing the faith of this paralytic, because again, they, this wasn't a common thing to do. You know, break people's roofs apart and drop people through it. This was, they, they, they were desperate to do this because they knew who was down there. They were, they were believers in who Jesus had been claiming to be in his, in his early preaching. And so Jesus says the most important thing that can ever be said to anyone. Jesus, God himself, saying to this man, your sins are forgiven. Now, that may have been enough for the man. We don't know. He, he, didn't, he didn't have any, any verbal response that we know of. At least it wasn't recorded. We go immediately to the hearts of the teachers of the law who had been hearing the same things that the men that brought the, the paralytic to Jesus. They'd been hearing the same reports. They were not believers. They were still calling him this fellow, this guy. They're calling God this guy because they're not believers. They, they don't believe he's God. They, they, weren't, they weren't up to speed on why Jesus would have been using a passage like Psalm 103 to equate himself with what the Old Testament had said about the Lord himself. They, they weren't believers. They were, they were so upset that he was leading these people astray, having the audacity to presume that he could forgive somebody's sins because only God can do that. They knew that. That part of the word of God they knew. And Jesus identifying with the Lord Almighty of the Old Testament says to this man, your sins, what, son, that's awesome too. Because remember, when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the word of God tells us we become children of God. So, so this, was, this wasn't just a, you know, you know sort of a, a nice, you know, son. This was son. He's now in the family. Like all of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the family of God, children of God. That's why John said in the first chapter of his gospel, even though lots of people didn't believe him, like these teachers of the law, even though most of the people that he came to, his own people didn't believe him. John says this in verse 12. Yet to those who received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Son, your sins are forgiven. What a statement from God himself. You know, God's still doing that. You know, he's still forgiving sins. And, and some people, you know, read the story and think, well, the, the coolest part of this is the guy got to get, get up. And that is a cool part, I have to say. But the most important part of it is this first statement that Jesus makes. Your sins are forgiven. Everything changes after that. After that one moment, 
Everything changes. When we're no longer the bearers, the carriers of our own sins, something is is different. That load is lifted off. And, And praise God, those of us who who received him like this man did by faith numerous years ago, that load can get heavy again if we we start carrying him again. But he makes that great promise to us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We do that regularly so that we continue to walk in the freedom from our sins. It's an amazing thing. I want to encourage you this morning. If you've never been forgiven like this man was forgiven, oh, I'm not saying you didn't have to be dramatically healed like he was healed. I'm saying if you've never been forgiven of your sins like this man was forgiven of his sins, like we sang this morning, you haven't lived yet. You you haven't even begun to live yet. The Word of God says in Ephesians chapter 2 that you're dead in your trespasses and sins. They kill you. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. It's deadly. It destroys us. We're, we're walking dead when we're still in our sins. Son, your sins are forgiven you. And of course, the argument took place. And remember, remember how this argument started. In silence. These guys were just thinking this stuff in their hearts. And Jesus, knowing all of our hearts, knowing those hearts, said, what's your problem, fellas? Why does that bother you? But so you know I have this authority to do what I just said to this man, so you know that's true, I'm going to show you something else. And that gives us an indication of the previous healings that he, that he did and the, and the future healings that he's going to do that gives you an indication of why he's doing this healing. Not only is he being really nice to these people and helping them out in their physical need, but he's also letting everybody know that he has the authority not only to heal, but also to forgive sins. And that's the most important thing. Whatever your troubles might be, and, and thankfully none of us here this morning have the trouble of this man. Vicky had to be rolled in, but she wasn't carried on a mat. Praise God, Vicky's back, by the way. Praise the Lord. Yeah, you can clap. The Lord's doing amazing things in her life. According to the doctor, she's way ahead of schedule on this recovery. Praise his name. A lot of people have been praying. A lot of those claps came from prayers. But none of us have ever been in this situation where for a good part or most of our lives we're being carried around by by our friends if we want to go somewhere. But we've got problems. We've got trouble. But nothing, none of our trouble, none of our problems are as important as our sin problem. And Jesus knew that about this guy. He was giving him a better break by forgiving of his sin, by forgiving him of his sins, rather than healing him right at the first of the mo- that, that first moment. That guy would have been okay if Jesus never would have healed him from that 
you know, from, from whatever was paralyzing him. He'd have been fine. He'd be in glory right now, celebrating for eternity. He didn't need the physical healing. He needed his sins to be forgiven because that's what was causing his death. That's what was separating him from God. And Jesus took care of that. Oh, yeah, he went ahead and threw a little icing on the cake for the guy. And we don't know how that guy used that blessing in his life. Probably became a great proponent, a great witness, a great evangelist for the power of Jesus to forgive sins. Because I want you to know, that was still more important to him than the healing. Because he was able to walk free from his sins for the rest of his life on into eternity. And that is life. That is life. To be able to live this life in this world, in this sinful fallen world, free from our sins, forgiven of our sins, knowing that the judgment, the death that we deserve for our own personal rebellion against God is forgiven, nailed to the cross, buried, separated from us, as Psalm 103 says, from, uh, as far from us as the east is from the west. Gone. That's what we need. And that's what this man received. And that's what's still being offered to every single person here in a part of our service. Every single person. Regardless of where we've been, what we've said, what we've done, what we said we'd never do. You know, some of you are here this morning after at some point in your life saying, I'm never going back to church. There's no way you'll ever get me back in one of those places. Some of you have said that. And here you are, you're back. Praise the Lord. We're so glad you're back. Not just to see our new carpet and, uh, and feel the cushiness of our new chairs. Hear our new sound system. No. To be with God's people and to hear the word of God. The same word that our Lord Jesus wrote. For the Old Testament believers that we also get to take advantage of, but also these New Testament words. These are his words. This is his work. And I'm so glad that you're here this morning to hear it from him. Because he is still forgiving sins. He is still freeing people from their sins. He is still helping people not to have to suffer the consequences that they deserve for their sins. Because remember, God is just. He's perfect, so he has to be just. His word tells us he's just. And so sin, rebellion against him, is going to be judged. That's justice. He's just. And he's going to punish our sins. But those of us who have received Jesus can be forgiven of our sins because Jesus took our punishment on himself. He realized the fulfillment of the justice of God when he died for our sins. He allowed all of our sins to be put on him. He took our place because he didn't deserve it. Because he never sinned. He wasn't dying for his own sins. He died for ours. So every one of us who believe 
can be absolutely, 100%, completely forgiven of our sins forever. And some people say, well, I've seen you sin. I've heard you sin. And you might be nudging the person next to you that's, that's told you that they've been forgiven, like I'm telling you that I've been forgiven, like, like this man was forgiven. And you're right. This man sinned again after this. We don't know what he did. We don't know how many times he did it, or not just it, but them. We know he sinned after this. Just like every one of us who are believers in, in the Lord Jesus here this morning have sinned after this. For me, it was back in 1969. I was 10 years old when I received the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I knew the weight of my sin leaving my life. But from 1969 till today, that's given me plenty of opportunities. And as the Word of God tells us that we can, I've resisted a lot of those opportunities. Praise God. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 tells us that, that He gives us a way out every time. And many times that He's tempted me over these years since 1969, I have avoided that sin. But there were other times when I didn't. But you know what? I'm still forgiven. I'm still free from that sin. I'm still free from the judgment and the condemnation that would have been coming my way for my sins because Jesus took my sins upon himself, all of them, the ones I'd committed before I received him, the ones I committed after I received him, the ones I'll commit after today, they're all gone because Jesus took them and he died for them. And with that same authority that he forgave the man in the story, the same authority that he forgave me, the same authority that he gave some of the people sitting next to you here in the sanctuary this morning. He'll, he still has that same authority, and he will forgive you. And what will happen when he forgives you is there will be some people, like, they, like the, the ones at, at the house that day, who said this, we have never seen anything like this. We have never seen anything like this. There are going to be some people, when they see you, when they see the new you, when they see the new forgiven you who's now living your life for God, for God's glory, they're going to say, I've never seen anything like this. That's going to be you. That is you if you've already received him. But that's going to be you. And some of you said, that will never be me. In God, it can be you. Because of what Jesus did. Because of his authority to forgive sins. That's his most amazing authority for us. I mean, all of his authority is amazing. I mean, his, his authority to make those flowers that I was showing the kids this morning, that is amazing. But that's, in my opinion, that's nothing compared to his authority to change me into something as beautiful as those flowers. That people could say about me, we've never seen anything like this before. People are saying that right now in the NCAA tournament about St. Peter's, who's going to be trying to knock off the Tar Heels today. This, this 15 seed, this little tiny school, you know, just across the river from Manhattan, this tiny little place, and this, this small group of guys 
first time that a, a 15 seed has advanced all the way to this to this point of the con- of the thing, people are saying, we've never seen anything like this. I want to tell you something. That's nothing compared to what happens when God changes a person from a, a sinful, separated from him person, dead person, to a living, God-glorifying person. It's the most amazing thing. It's more amazing than seeing somebody raised up from a mat that they were hauled in on and walking away. It's more amazing than that. It's the most amazing thing. And so those of you, which I hope is many, who have already received the Lord Jesus Christ, who have already been faith, been forgiven by Jesus, take some time right now just to thank him for what he's done, for using that authority to forgive you of your sins. And those of you that haven't yet, I would encourage you, don't wait. Don't wait till later today. Don't wait till you get a couple more things straightened out with him. You'll keep waiting your whole life until you die if you're going to wait until you get good enough to receive him. You're never going to get there. He will do that work in your life. And he will be the continual forgiver of your sins even after this moment because you're still going to fall. You're still going to slip. But he's going to be right there to convict you and to forgive you and to keep you moving in the right direction, which for us in the family of God is eternal glory with Christ. Let's bow together for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning for this amazing event that took place in Capernaum. This, this amazing story where these men of faith break through that roof to get to Jesus. This amazing story where this, where this paralytic man is healed so that he can walk again and live in that respect again. This amazing story where the Lord Jesus knows the minds and hearts of people that he hasn't even talked to. This amazing story of the authority that you've given your son, the Lord Jesus, to forgive our sins. We praise you for that today. And those of us who have been forgiven... Many of us still remember that first moment when we realized the weight of our sin being gone. And subsequently, we realized that relief of the weight that we've allowed to accumulate again. We felt that that relief as, as well as we confess our sins to you. We thank you for all of that. And Father, we thank you for the end result that we will be with you in glory because our sins are forgiven. Father, we pray that your word by the power of your Holy Spirit would help those here this morning who haven't yet put their trust in Jesus, that you'd help them to believe. To believe so much that they're willing to put their trust in what you've said. 
and believe in Jesus, your son. Give them the courage and faith to do that today. And Father, we thank you that as they do that, that they also will receive that same blessing, that same relief of the burden of their life of sin forgiven. It's amazing, Father, and we thank you for it. And we thank you for those who may have put their trust in you this morning. And now, Father, we pray as we imagine that that healed paralytic did, we pray that we would do the same. That we'd be so excited about what you've done for us, so thankful about what you've done for us, that we would also let others know that it's Jesus who does it. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.